All right. Uh, let's go ahead and read the passage. Um, if you can stand, that would be great. We're going to be reading Mark 1, 16 through 20, and we will be moving around uh, several other passages during the time, um, but this will be the home, the home point. Uh, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Let me pray. Ah, oh, you can be seated. Lord, I am, as usual, not ready. Um, but you are. I pray that you would speak, um, that you would give me what you want me to say. Um, Lord, if you're not going to speak to us, uh, I don't want to speak. In fact, I'd rather not speak anyway. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would be with us, that you would teach us, that you would show us who you are, that we would know you a little better after tonight, that we would worship, that we would see you more clearly, that we would love you more deeply, and that we would follow you more closely, Lord. Jesus, I need you. I pray that you would um, yeah, just teach us tonight, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So I want to talk tonight primarily about this thing of following Jesus. Um, we've read this passage, so we're going to look at this a little bit and then move and look um, really kind of throughout the Bible at this theme of following God, following Jesus. Um, so this passage is obviously early in Jesus' ministry. Um, he is calling the first disciples, that's the title. Um, so we start out, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. In case you saw, thought that they were throwing nets into the sea for some other reason. Um, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. This is really... Uh, if there is one, the, th the theme verse for tonight. Um, I think there's a tendency in the church for us to try to make ourselves what God wants us to be, and there's a place for that. We are to be holy, God says, as He is holy. It means to be set apart, not perfect, but set apart. Um, but here, um, He is putting what they become on Himself. Um, he is saying, if they will follow him, he will make them the fishers of men. I know personally, uh, I don't feel like I'm a very good fisher of men. I think I'm, I'm good at some other things, um, but I'm not outgoing by nature. Um, and so it's very difficult for me to evangelize really in any way other than um, teaching and doing things in the church. Um, and that's a weakness that I have that I pray about. Um, but that stems from fear to a great degree. Um, 
But I take great comfort in this idea that if I follow him, he will make me become what he wants me to be. Um, I'm not that good a follower, but I want to look at what follow here in Greek uh, means. This is coming from the uh, New American Commentary on this passage. Um, they said that this word denotes discipleship, responding to a summons, attachment to a person, acceptance of authority, and imitation of an example. So those are all things that we want to do in relation to Jesus. Um, it also denotes continuing and pursuing a goal. So it's not following until a certain point. It's not following to something. It's following because Jesus is the goal, continuing to follow. Um, as we move on, we'll see that that ended badly for some of these men. Um, it is not easy uh, and sometimes it requires a great sacrifice. Um, but in this passage, he indicates that he will make us fishers of men if he will follow, if we will follow him. I'm sorry. Um, and they immediately left their nets and followed him. Uh, this indicates immediate obedience. This is something I also struggle with. Um, but something I want to challenge you with uh, do we really believe that immediate obedience is better than finishing our thing first? Do I? Um, I? I want us to ask ourselves that question and deal with that. I know many times in my life, uh, I want to do God's thing, but I really kind of want to finish my thing first. Um, I want to do ministry, but I want to make sure I keep my job um, because I don't, I don't want to be uncomfortable. Um, what about you? I, I think that's something to, to deal with, to, to look at, at yourself. Um, are you really willing to follow immediately, uh, no matter where he leads? Do you see him as worth following? That's another question. Um, if you're a believer, I would assume you do. But I would also challenge you to examine it and make it a deeper in your heart. Your theology may say it's worth it, but um, do you really believe that in your actions? Um, something I've taught before is your actions, uh, how you treat people, how you live, shows your theology. Um, you, can, you can agree with, with other people's theology, but if you're not doing it, you don't really agree with it. I don't really agree with it. And there are many cases in my life that, that I see that, so I'm not singling anybody out. Uh, verse 19, and going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. Um, this seems to indicate that they had a business, they had a family. Uh, I don't think we really know how successful, but um, they, they had income. Um, they had nets, they had a boat. Um, and immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. We don't know whether they knew Jesus beforehand. I would surmise that they did. Um, it would seem odd to me for Jesus to tell them to follow him if they didn't even know who he is. Um, but this indicates, to a degree, a, a, another level of commitment, of obedience, because he, they were leaving something. Um, with Simon and Andrew 
there may have been less they were leaving, but here they left their father. You kind of wonder how that went, um, just kind of walking off. Um, God also says to honor your father and mother, so I assume that there was not, they didn't just leave him hanging and tell him nothing. Um, so that's an overview of this passage. Um, I want to look back now at Genesis and see that God has been doing this for a very long time. Um, in Genesis 12.1, we won't spend a whole lot of time there, um, but God calls Abram, patriarch. Um, we've just finished with naming Terah, Abraham's, or Abram's father, um, his family line. And Terah died. Uh, they had moved, and then Terah died. And so now God shows up and, and is talking to Abram. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. He doesn't tell them where they're going. Um, similar to Jesus in Mark. He just says, come. Uh, I will show you. Um, that's hard in that it means that we don't know what the future holds. We don't know how good it'll be. Um, we know that if it's with Christ, it will be good, but in a human sense, will it involve dying? Um, we don't necessarily know. And Abram didn't either, but he went. Um, and later on, it says that Abram believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He had faith. Um, let's move on to uh, Exodus 3.10. Uh, this is where... Um, the Israelites have been in bondage in Egypt for uh, nearly 400 years, or about 400 years. And Moses had grown up. Uh, you guys probably know the story. He was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, grew up in Pharaoh's household. Uh, he had then noticed the mistreatment of the Israelites. And in one case, he had attacked and killed uh an Egyptian that was beating uh, a, a, an Israeli um, slave. And he killed him, and then he ran away because he probably would have been in trouble. So he ran away, uh, and he supposed when he killed him that the people, the, the Israelites, would, know, would realize that he could save them from their slavery, which is interesting. This is a side note. Um, he then goes on to, to kill this man and they reject him. The, the Israelites didn't really embrace that. Um, he runs away. He runs a long way away into the desert and, uh, finds a wife and manages his father-in-law's, um, sheep, I believe. I may be wrong. Um, but then 40 years later, God shows up in the burning bush, and it's interesting to me that God then tells him that he will be used to take the Israelites out of Egypt. 
So this, this goal that Moses had 40 years before that he did not go about God's way, um, that he killed a man and, and then ran away, uh, thinking he could save his, his people. God then, then says, no, I'm, I'm going to send you back and you're going to do that. Uh, Moses then says, I don't think I'm your guy. Um, and I know that feeling. Um, I've struggled with, uh, I guess, depression. Um, but I know what it's like to try to start a ministry and watch it fail, likely because of my own weakness. And want to just kind of stay in the shadows. Um, sometimes I think we're called to stay there for a while. Um, the church needs servants. We don't just need leaders. Um, but anyway, let's look at this passage. This is Exodus uh, 3.10. Uh, you've had the burning bush. Uh, Moses goes over. That's an unusual thing. It keeps burning. And God says, I'm here. Take off your shoes. Take off your sandals. Um, and so Moses does so. And 3.10, God says, well, 3.9, Now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. It's interesting here, he sends him, but he says, come, which means God was already there. I think sometimes we, we think that God is sending us, or we live as if God is sending us somewhere where he isn't. Um, he's already there. He's already heard their cry. Uh, and he's sending him to bring his people out. Um, God is there when he calls you. Moses later um, goes on. We won't look at the passage on that specifically, but in Exodus, um, I believe it's 33, maybe 34, Moses has led the people out. Uh, and they made the golden calf. They rebelled against God, and God killed many of them. But uh, those that are left uh, were punished God said, I'm going to wipe them out. And Moses said, no, don't do that. And so God relented. And so then we come to God saying, okay, I won't wipe you out, but I will send you. And I'll send, I'll send an angel. I'll send someone with you to watch over you. But I will not go with you because if I go with you, I'm going to wind up killing you is the implication. But Moses, that wasn't good enough for Moses. Is that good enough for us? Um, is it, is it good enough for us to go without God? I know in many cases, because of my fears, because of my weakness and sin, I'm okay with, with doing something without God. Not necessarily sinful, but something God is not leading me to. Um, I would, I would caution you guys to think about that. I think this is a, an interesting thing. Moses was totally unwilling to go, even though God was going to take care of him, even though he would send an angel with them. Uh, he was unwilling to go without God. Um, so just think about that. Um, are you willing to go without God? Or are you? W- would you tell God with Moses, if you don't go, I don't either? Um, all right. Let's move forward from there to uh, Luke 9.23 through 25. This will be familiar to many of you.
here we get a little bit more of a picture of what following Jesus might mean, or does mean. Um, he's talking to them. Uh, Peter has just told Jesus who he really is, which was kind of a new thing. They didn't realize exactly who Jesus was. Um, and Jesus said, he said to all, uh, this is 923, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Um, the earlier part of this we see following him means taking up a cross. Um, in our culture right now, that doesn't mean government persecution. Um, someday it might. I think it's entirely possible. But sometimes that looks like what we see in, in John um, 11 and 13, loving people like Christ loved them, even if it means we die for them, even if it means we're inconvenienced. Here I want to stop and look and just talk briefly. It's easy sometimes to do the big things because you love people. Um, I would challenge you to consider whether you do the small things, how you handle the small things. If people need your time when it's inconvenient or you're tired, um, but they need somebody to talk to, do you consider it loving them to put whatever your plans are aside and, and deal with whatever they need? Um, I've dealt with that, and that's hard. I've been in some very difficult situations, and I didn't handle it perfectly. Um, but guys, it's worth loving people when it's inconvenient. Um, so I would challenge us as a church to spend time with people and to love people uh, no matter what it takes, even when it's inconvenient. Um, that's, that's harder sometimes than we think. Um, sometimes that feels like a cross. Um, let's look at an example of following God, even when it really doesn't make all that much sense. Let's look at Acts 8.26. Um, so we've gone through, as Pastor Dane has been talking about Acts, we've gone through the early church. We've had, uh, at this point, we've had Ananias and Sapphira uh, drop dead after um, lying about where they got, or how much money they were uh, giving to the church. Um, they have stoned Stephen after probably one of the best biblical summaries of the Old Testament leading up to Jesus. Um, Saul has ravished the church. Um, but the gospel has expanded. It's moved. It's moved out into Samaria. We see that with Philip. Um, as far as we can tell, and this is um, chapter 8, verses 9 through, I guess, 25, we see Philip involved with this uh, movement of God in the, uh, the Samaritan area. And so now we come to uh, verse 26, and it appears that Philip has a a good ministry, a good and growing ministry here. 
It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem Jerusalem to worship. Um, I want to focus on the first couple verses here, the first verse. He told him to rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Why would God call you to a desert? Um, that couldn't have made a whole lot of sense to him. Later on here, he teleports. That's cool. Uh, but I want us to see, sometimes God calls people from what appears to be, even from a godly point of view, a, a good, successful, healthy place to be. Um, for those that have done ministry, that find fulfillment in ministry, uh, or will, I want to challenge you to be careful not to give up on God if He's calling you to something else for the sake of ministry. Sometimes ministry can be an idol, and I struggle with that at times also. Um, be careful that you don't justify um, disobeying God to do things that many people would say are things that God would want to do. Um, let's move to uh, John 21, and we'll start to wrap up. Um, but I want to challenge us here. Um, so this is later, or late in Jesus' ministry. He has uh, been crucified, but... Uh, before he was crucified, Peter, who we're going to talk about, um, denied him three times after Jesus predicted it, after Peter said, I'll never deny you, I'll never leave you. Um, so I'm going to start uh, in verse 15, um, and I'm going to read that real quick. When they had finished breakfast, again, this is after the resurrection, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, this is Jesus, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, it's Peter, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Jesus, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And, he, and after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. This is, as far as I know, um, universally agreed upon by scholars that he was implying that Peter would be crucified. And as far as we know, he was um, crucified upside down. So Peter took up his cross. It took a while. Um, he denied Jesus first, but then he wound up leading the church to a great degree. I want us to look briefly uh, in verse 15 at this question he asked him, 
Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I want us to ask ourselves that question. Um, do we love Jesus more than whatever these is for us? Um, it's easy to follow Jesus if, we're, if we want to go where he's going, if, if what he wants to give us is what we want. Um, it's easy to have our successful ethical, moral life and love that life more than Jesus. Um, I want us to be careful, uh, myself as well, that we don't do that, that we keep that question in mind as it echoes from here. Do you love me more than these? Um, I know in many cases I don't. And we struggle. We're human. I'm not condemning anybody that struggles with that, not in the least. But it does require repentance. He asked him three times, which was interesting because he had denied him three times. I won't go into that. Um, but then he ended with this statement again, follow me. And he would. He followed him to this cross. And at this point, he had told him how he would die. He did follow. Um, but... First, he needed to ask something. Uh, Peter's an interesting character. I like Peter. Um, says, this is verse 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. This is John. Uh, the one who had been reclining at table close to him and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? How's he going to die? Is he going to die like me? Can't he die like me? Why do I have to die like me? I don't know. Um, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Are we willing to follow if it means that all our friends who are Christians, who are following Jesus, wind up with way more successful lives than we have? Um, something to ask. Um, do we love him enough to really follow him? That's hard. I want to look briefly, and a lot of this is not that new to those who have been at, at uh, the small group that I've led. Um, but I want to look briefly at this picture of Jesus in Revelation, um, and then we'll close back at Mark. We're following him because he's good. We don't just follow him just because. He's good. He died for you. I see absolutely no picture here where those who follow him imperfectly and struggle um, and fall to real sin, not just you know the small stuff, real sin, um, I, I never see Jesus, especially in Revelation, saying that he regrets dying for them. We can take some comfort there. Um, he knew what you would do. He knew the sin you would struggle with. He died for you. Um, he's good. He cares. He's gentle. Sometimes he's hard. We see discipline. That's Hebrews 12 and some other chapters, some other passages. But he's good. He's worth following.
So let me read just a picture of him in Revelation 1. Um, I'm going to start in verse 12. Uh, This is uh, John's vision. Um, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. He was gentle. John was weak and fell before this majestic sight. Um, Remember when it's hard that we're not just following him because that's what we're told, but because he's worth it. I realize sometimes it doesn't seem like it. But we're going to see Jesus. This man who died, who went to the cross, who bore the wrath of God, who came to us when we were dead in our sin. We're going to see him in heaven. We're going to perhaps walk with him like Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden in the cool of the day. We will know him. We will see him as he is, John says. He is an incredible God. And if you read through the Gospels, you see a picture of a man who doesn't just have attributes. The theological attributes are important, and they're true, the correct ones. But I would encourage you to read the Bible and look at the personality of this man, this God. Um, Love him. Sometimes you don't feel love. That's why we're given a chapter on what love does, because you can choose to love in action even when you don't love in emotion. I'm an engineer, so sometimes emotions don't come naturally. Um, It's interesting in Luke 9... We read about Jesus telling people to take up their cross. Jesus had not yet taken up a cross at that point. But we see Jesus taking up his cross later on. We see Peter taking up a cross literally later on. We also see Jesus in Luke. I I forgot, but I think it's applicable. Uh, Jesus says, let me find it. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Remember that in Luke 4 and Matthew 4, we have the account of the temptation of Jesus. Where Satan offered Jesus, he, he showed him the whole world, all the kingdoms, all the things, all the stuff, all the honor and glory. And he said, if you worship me, I'll give it to you. Jesus lived this out. 
He said, I could gain the whole world, but I would forfeit myself, and he didn't. So he went from the opportunity to have the whole world to, in Revelation, later on we see he does have the whole world. It says that the dwelling place of God is with man. He dwells with him, and he will be their God, and they will be his people. This theme, this, this desire of God that we see throughout the whole Bible, really. So when it's hard, remember that. That's what we're looking forward to. We enjoy God now, and we should, and I struggle with that, if I'm really honest. But we will see him as he is in his glory. We will walk with him. So look forward to that when it's hard. It is hard, I get that. Um, so let me just close. I, I wish I were better at this, but... Um, We'll just close again with his call, um, and then we'll go back into worship. Where'd Chris? Okay. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to read this again. Um, I want us to think about it. I want us to think about what it means and realize who is calling us Set our hearts toward following him, even if it means a cross. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who were in their boats mending the nets. Immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. He's worth it, guys. He's worth it. He counted us worth the cross. I don't understand why. I don't understand why he would want to save me. He called us worth it, and he was very clear that he is wonderfully worth our life, um, whether living or dead. We'll talk more perhaps in small group about what it looks like at a, at a more practical applied level to follow. Um, but for now, I'll pray and we'll proceed with worship. Lord, I hope that you have moved in ways I cannot see. I know that's how you work. Lord, I pray for us as a body that we would follow you individually and that we would follow you as a body. That we would love you above all else that we would not see it as a chore to follow you, but that we would follow with joy, that we would see your compassion, your love, your power, that we would walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, as Pastor Dane has been teaching on. Lord, I pray that we would love you more than these, whatever these is to us. I pray that we would be willing to lay all the success down and follow you into a desert to tell one man who you are. Lord, I pray that you would draw us to love you more and to see who you are more, to love one another as you have loved us, even when it means a cross. Lord, I pray that we would have compassion on one another and yet stir one another up to good works that flow out of our love for you. 
Lord Jesus, I thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, and I thank you for the resurrection, because we will join you in the resurrection. Amen.